Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Teacher Cast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making Teacher Cast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, a podcast for instructional coaches and anybody out there in the professional development field. And today I have an amazing show all about flipped learning. That is right, helping your teachers create materials, videos, presentations, anything that a student can do at home. And how can we? use that material in the class to support authentic learning. We got two great authors coming on today from ISTE Books. Their their book is about to launch and I am so excited for them and I'm so excited for our conversation with them. But before we get to that conversation, I want to remind you that we've got some great things happening of our own on our Instructional Coaches Network. You can head on over to askthetechcoach.com and check out not one but both of our Instructional Coaching Networks on Facebook and on LinkedIn. We've got important things going on in both of those, especially as we head throughout the year, racing throughout the year and heading into the warm summer. We've got some great things going on and we want you to be a part of all the stuff. Head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Check out our Instructional Coaches Network. Follow us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach, or heck, just visit anything that's going on over at the TeacherCast Educational Network. We would love to have you guys as a part of our TeacherCast Insiders program as we are here to help you guys out each and every week. My guests today are the authors of a brand new book from ISTE Publications called In Class Flip, a student-centered approach to differentiated learning. I want to first bring on today Miss Martha Ramirez. Martha, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, super excited about this new book. I am excited to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, okay, so I've been a teacher for almost 20 years. I started out as an English teacher and then kind of moved into becoming a teacher educator and uh, found flipped learning about, I think, six or seven years ago. And there, there has been no turning back for me in my approach towards teaching or, um, or working with educators as well. That's what I found is once a teacher or even an instructional coach has something that works, we keep going for it and seeing how we can refine it. And I'm looking forward to deep diving into that. Also on the show with me is your co-author of this amazing book, Miss Carolina Buitrago. Carolina, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you very much uh, for having us here. I'm really excited, accelerated to be here with your audience. Thank you so much for having us. I am excited to have you guys talk all about flipped learning. Um, tell everybody where you're coming to us from. Well, um, we work in Bogota, Colombia, down in South America. We are two English teachers. Um, of course, we learned English as our foreign language. Uh, well, in the case of Marta, the story is a little different. Uh, but we learned English, and so we know what it is to be a learner. So as teachers, it's been really easy to put ourselves in our students' shoes 
um, we started flipping our language classes, but then this has extended over to just education. So as Marta mentioned, me too, I'm also a teacher educator. So this book is kind of the result of that transformation that we have had ourselves as learners, as teachers, and now, well, uh, helping other teachers and tech coaches and, you know, anyone who would like to read the book and learn from us and with us. We are going to make sure that we have the links to this and all of our ISTE books in our show notes here over at askthetechcoach.com. And let's just dive in here because we're talking all about flipped learning and specifically today, how can you as an instructional coach support your teachers in instructing through video? Now, I've heard of the term flipped classroom, like you said, many, many years ago. Has the definition changed much? How do you define the term flipped classroom these days? Oh, that's a tough question because it has changed. Uh, I mean, it's evolved. And so there are different experts who've, um, you know, put their own definition. Uh, we, we go by the Flip Learning Network definition, um, which is moving the instruction from the group space, which is, uh, you know, when I'm working with my students into the individual space, which is when they access the content individually. This could be done in class or out of class, which is kind of what we'll be talking a little more about. Um, but actually, Carolina has her own definition of flipped <laughs> learning as well. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I ventured to create that definition in 2020 when we were all uh, using all those magic words, reinventing ourselves and, you know, like all these things that happened. So because I have a background in educational technology, but also uh, on positive education, and I realized how important it was to be compassionate with our students. So my definition of flipped learning is that it is a methodology that where students, um, well, wait a second, where teachers are architects, um, of students' learning experiences, and students are placed at the center of the learning process. And because of all of this, the process is compassionate. So it's not about you know just shoving some standards up our students' mouths, but caring about each one of our learners, caring about each one of our teachers, and guaranteeing that the learning process is not just you know one more standard to achieve or one more goal to cover, but um, some transformational experience in and outside of the classroom. I'm so glad that that's how we're defining it now in 2022. I remember even, you know, 10 years ago when I first started this podcast, one of my first shows was what is a flipped classroom? And it was basically loosely defined as teacher creates a video student watches video at home they're now the expert student comes in knowing everything about the subject and activity <laughs> happens carolina you're shaking your head no i'm like no <laughs> oh yeah it takes a lot more than that and that's something that we discovered with martha through the creation of our book and, and in our classrooms with our students. It's not the video. Yes, the video is cool. You know, you can, uh, you start playing with the videos and there's all this crazy amount of websites where you can generate amazing videos, but it's not the video what matters. It's actually what happens in the classroom the following day, what makes the magic. So that's another of the reasons why we went within Class Flip because we can give that video, you know, for the first six seconds of the class, six minutes, let's say, and then the rest of the class is where the magic happens. 
you know, where the students engage with us, with each other, with themselves, uh, where they reflect about their learning, where they practice everything we have to offer. And us, that's why I call ourselves architects, because we don't just um, engineer a class. No, we actually design our classes uh, and we make them beautiful and, and hard to make like architects do. <laughs> and I want to expand on what you just said, because this concept that, you know, students go home and do uh it's just not that anymore. And I love what you just said. You can have a student come in and for the first few minutes of class, they can learn, they can catch up, they can refresh. I mean, it is the possibility that a video, a PowerPoint, whatever this thing is, that is your, uh, you know, it could be your do now, I guess, right? Is that, that's one way of looking at it. Taking this concept of the students are going to do something on their own and now they're ready for the learning. I mean, this concept works no matter if you're having a 45 minute long class or a 75 minute long class. Now, my question for you is, especially where you are in Colombia, are you creating content in multiple languages? Do you just do it in, in, in English and in Spanish? When you put this stuff together, what do these different activities look like? Okay, so I, in my case, um, because I teach, well, I, and in Carolina's case too, we teach some classes in English and we teach some classes in Spanish. Uh, even, even the workshops, like we give, flip learning or in-class flip workshops, sometimes for English speakers or English teachers or, you know, university teachers in Spanish. So we are creating, um, you know, I think simultaneously when we create something, we tend to translate or at least I try to, you know, I'm going to create this, uh, I don't know, this video and then I'll put in the subtitles when I post it so that I have the subtitles in Spanish or vice versa. So yeah, that, that's been my experience so that I can make the most of that time that I'm dedicating to creating the content, which of course is flipped, because um, you know we, we, we flip our workshops and uh, to be able to use them in these, these different languages that we speak. Mm -hmm. In my case, it's pretty, it is very similar. Uh, as I said at the beginning, we started flipping our language classes, but we have moved on to teaching different courses, like teacher training courses. Or, for example, in my case, I teach a research methods course. Um, so, yeah, of course, I have to flip that. <laughs> you know, it's not just to flip your math class or your chemistry class. You can uh, flip anything from, and I would say, from kindergarten to graduate school. It's okay. Like you can flip any any level, um, any topic, any class would be flippable, um, if if I may say something like that. Um, and yeah, definitely language. Uh, well, for us being bilingual, it's kind of one of our challenges. It's to create materials in both languages uh, to be more inclusive every time, to be more helpful, and to make materials more accessible to all of our learners. You know forever now the concept of go read this chapter go do this homework go do something and then tomorrow we're going to discuss it i mean this isn't a new concept my question that i've been thinking about i guess really for the last 10 years is is there a difference between go home and do an activity and come in and truly using the flipped classroom model Yes, um, there's a there's there's a big difference, and it's actually so. What you've just described is the flipped classroom model. 
And what has shifted or what has evolved is now we're talking about flipped learning. So it's not just having a flipped class, which is go do this and, you know, watch the video and come, come to class with some questions, but it's taking into account everything that a flipped you know, the class implies for the teacher and learners, such as differentiating the content, uh, such as the connections that you create with your students, the flexibility that you could have with the spaces, with the times, um, you know, your uh, responsibility as an educator to reflect and to share and to collaborate with other educators. And this is kind of or this kind of, no, this is based on um, that flipped learning network definition we mentioned that has four pillars um, that we follow to make sure that flipped learning is, you know, taking place and it's not just a flipped classroom that is not meaningful when students are already with the teacher, you know, working. Let's take a look a little bit about what these assignments are, right? Because it's one thing to say, go watch a video. How do you know that your students are actually doing it? When you give a video, should you be giving a quiz? Should you be giving a worksheet? Should you be setting up something like an ed puzzle where you have to follow along and answer questions? Or, I mean, I, I always looked at this and said, coming from the music point of view, I was a music teacher for many years. How do I know if my students are practicing? You know, they're going to come in either knowing how to do it or not know how to do it. Um, what should that at home thing look like or what should that do now at the beginning? Is it just watch a video or is it watch a video and show proof of knowledge somehow? Yeah, I, I think um, the pandemic helped us a lot with this evidence-based learning because it was at the beginning, uh, I don't know, like probably 10 years ago when the flip learning emerged, everyone just thought it was about the video. And uh, if you send videos home, then that was flipping. And I think that's one of the biggest um, debates that I've had with teachers around because um, I, I normally work around higher education and they say, well, that's my regular class. I always send something to read or something to watch. And um, then I can say that I'm flipping, right? So, but the thing is, um, it is not only to just watch the video. It's, it's to provide some evidence that you're actually doing the learning of that portion of the class. And what Marta said, it's a portion. We have the individual learning space and the group learning space. These two combine, they get together. <clears throat> sorry, it's not what I do outside of home, outside of the class, sorry, that matters. It's everything, it's all the experience. So this comes from, I mean, there are different models, like for example, um, Ramsey Masala, I mean, 2013, he talked about explore, flip, apply, which is like not even send the video first, but explore the topic in class, then watch the video, then practice. But I think the pandemic helped us see because teachers were creating different ways to see what students were actually doing uh, because it was really hard for them uh, to see them through cameras or to be inside of their houses. Actually, that was impossible. So they had to create all these accountability measures that helped them see what the students were doing. And that is exactly what the Flipped uh, Learning Network and the Flip uh, Global Initiative have proposed initially. That is, have some sort of accountability so that you know that your students are engaging with the content uh, while in the individual learning space. So that, that part of the accountability, I think uh, teachers became more proficient during the pandemic because it was a need before it wasn't so clear to see. It was like, okay, if, I, if I'm gonna have my students with me all the time next class, I shouldn't have so many more things to do at home. 
But now it was like, I'm not going to have them. So I really need to see who is struggling, who has difficulties with what topic and how can I go in and help. So it was easier to think about these accountability measures. And what you mentioned, Jeff, it can be a net puzzle. It can be, uh, you know, your regular Cornell note, format taking, uh, whatever. But for example, in our book, we present some different ways that we use. Uh, for example, Marta, she loves to sketch note. Why don't you tell us about that one as an accountability measure? <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, I think the key there is that teachers... Um, can't sit out, you know, it's not like I left, uh, you know, you have this, this uh, content and then I, I hope, and I'm going to assume that you're going to be responsible for your work. Um, but we, we really have to follow up. I think that's the key, like teachers, a flipped learning teacher has to follow up. So one thing that I've been doing is um, I started uh, using sketch notes as an accountability a task. So, for example, with the, the boring chapter, <laughs> they, you know, students had to read a chapter and then they had to bring in a sketch note of their understanding of the chapter with, uh, you know, some scaffolded steps, etc. And that brought a different element of higher order thinking into how they became accountable. And then when I, you know, um, started to learn to draw myself, then I started making flip content through the sketch notes. So not the video, you have a sketch note where I've synthesized this information, you need to analyze it and then, you know, we'll talk about it. What does a normal classroom like this look like? I mean, we talked about using video or some kind of a, you know, start of the class activity. Now we're talking about making sure that they're accountable for that. Is all of that happening before the actual lesson or is the lesson the thing that's holding them accountable for watching the video? That depends. Okay. <laughs> so, so, if I'm, so if I'm flipping outside of the class, right, um, which is what we understand by flipped learning, it's okay, it's outside. So if, I'm going to say outside. Um, then the, I mean, the accountability will be, you have to do this before, right, before the lesson with me, and then in class, I'm going to check it. But if we're doing an in-class flip, right, in real time, in situ, you're right there with me. And I'm telling you, you're going to watch this five-minute video here with me. You're going to answer these questions here with me. And I'm going to monitor your process and support and provide feedback in real time. And you're going to uh, the accountability. I mean, it's a lot easier to see the accountability because you're right there, uh, you know, when they're actually accessing the content. So... Yeah, it's going to depend on how you decide to flip, if it's before the lesson or if it's during the lesson. You keep talking about the word content. I want to bring break this down a little bit because over the years, we, you know, we've done shows about flipped learning and we've had shows where we've had experts on and I've brought on teachers that were interested in this. And it was interesting going through all these different shows because, you know, the microphone turns off and some point the teacher says, Oh, that's just too much work. I could never do that. And even as an instructional coach, you know, I've tried to say, hey, let's put a system together in your room where the kid goes and watches it. Oh, I don't have time to do that. I, I don't know how. Let's first define here. Is a video an original piece of content? Could a video be something you find on YouTube uh, or something that a book publisher provides for you? I mean, 
when a teacher says, I don't know if I can do this, I don't have time, um, I'll just throw it out there. You got a lot of instructional coaches listening right now. What's your answer to the to the pushback? I don't have time for this when they get that from the, one of their teachers. It's real. <laughs> it's real. It's true. Yes. Um, but it's 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 not different from lesson planning. You're just lesson planning. You're just doing it differently. You're investing your energy on different things, right? So, for example. Yes, you can use all those videos that are out there. That are, you, you said it, instructional coaches out there, teachers out there who are great at making amazing videos. I'm not one of those. Probably Marta is a really good video maker. I am, you know, the, the, the fast type. I just take my, my regular uh, screen sharing uh, program, some slides, boom, just go for it. But for example, Marta, she invests, invests more time in the, design editing color etc so but that's the style you know and it doesn't mean that my videos suck well they're probably not as professional but still they fulfill the goal and that's the thing you know you you and i think that's the power that teachers have we do what we can with what we have and so if we what we have is limited time we're gonna invest it very well so for example sometimes i'm, I'm like I don't have time to do this. I'm going to choose a video from the internet, but I'm going to design a really good Google Doc so that my students can get that information from that video and really connect it to what we're doing. Okay, it, it pays off. And sometimes, honestly, it's better to just do my own video. For example, for my research methods class, like I can spend hours and hours looking for something uh, and I just do it myself faster because I know exactly what I want to target. So, you know, that's a kind of uh, a decision that teachers have to make. But the more experienced you are with flipping, the easier all this becomes. Yeah. And, and the more you know which things you need to design yourself and which things you can just get from the Internet. I think something I'd like to add there is, you know, to the instructional coaches out there, it's also important to collaborate. I mean, something we've done with Carolina is, uh, you know, because we, we have very similar workshops, uh, at least in what, uh, you know, it, it, what is in regards to flip learning. So, you know, Carolina has shared, she'll, she'll create a, a, a type of content using Genially or some other tool, and then she'll share it with me, I'll share it with her, uh, the things that I do. And then, you know, we're super open to you know, this content is created. If it's already there, just go ahead and use it. Um, so I think that's something that also saves time. You know, if you're part of a, a group of coaches or educators that are teaching the same thing, why not share with each other? Um, and the other thing is, if you don't have the time to create content, just use, I mean, curate your content, choose, which is you, for sure you already have uh, you know, resources with explanations. So use that. But if you create your own in the end, the time that you invested now is going to pay off completely in the following workshops that you're going to do because you have your own material and you could reuse it and it has the quality that you would expect it to have. Uh, well, because you created it. I, I agree completely. If it's one thing I've ever tried to teach my students, my teachers, and especially my coaches, 
always think fourth dimensionally. You know, you're going to do this now. You're going to have it later. You're going to have it next year. You're going to have it for whatever. And even as a coach, right, make this lesson now, but you're going to use it for three or four or five teachers. Yeah. Hopefully for a couple of years. I mean, things might change, but, you know, and again, we're not asking teachers to make documentaries on the French and Indian War. We're having them show off something that's pretty easy to do. Um, a video doesn't have to be long. I mean, the uh, let me ask you, the average length of your videos that you're making is about how long? Mine about five. I try to. I try. I really try to to keep it maximum to five minutes. And and I bet they don't need any major editing. Let me just kind of do the, the on the surface question here. Um, what applications would you suggest using? Are, are you doing like Screencastify? Are you doing Flipgrid? Like, what do you use to make your app your your videos? Yeah, we we love Screencastomatic. Okay. <laughs> Screencastomatic goes for the videos. Um, genially. Uh, for designing some lessons. They have pretty cool templates for sequences, for um, high products, things like those. Um, games. I also, I also, oh yeah, for games. They have really cool games, uh, genially. And I use Google Slides for my high products. I, I kind of keep it to those three things, like the videos and the genialies and the high products. Marta does other things with other tools. Yeah, so I, I use, yeah, the, the same ones that Carolina has already mentioned, um, but I, I also love using Canva. So I design, you know, comics, presentations. Um, I've even tried out the video uh, option, but don't exactly love it. But, you know, so, so I, I have uh, basically all my designs on Canva, and then I'll go to Genially for anything that needs interactivity. For example, doing online or digital station work in a hybrid lesson genially was my go-to tool for students who were connected to be able to virtually walk through the, the, the stations. And then in the physical classroom, the other ones were physically walking through the stations. I actually wrote a blog post about that. Um, but, so yeah, the, I think those are the key go-to tools. And then of course, pencil paper for the drawings of my sketch notes. If you're an instructional coach out there and you're given the opportunity to introduce this topic, do you have any recommendations for how to approach this in large form PD? I'm assuming this is a little bit easier to do one to one because you might find a teacher who wants to move in that direction. But I mean, sometimes we don't get that opportunity. It's Monday. You got 30 teachers. You got 20 minutes. How do you do this in a professional development situation? We've done, we've in-class flipped the in-class flip. <laughs> we've done the inception. So we've done stations to teach teachers how to do it. In the stations, we have materials to show them what the type of stations are, the different configurations are, uh, the type of activities they can design. So we put this information into our stations in videos, in readings. We have, I think, an infographic, you know, and, and so teachers rotate um, and they get the information there. We have done it that way. And we haven't done it together, but I think Marta has done a digital um, in-class flip as well, you know, for what, what she was mentioning, just to have teachers rotate in situ. <laughs> Basically, it's like doing the lesson as you would in Go Formative or in a hyperdoc, but in a in a teacher training session. So I don't know if you want to go 
like talk more about that one, Marta. Yeah, I think um, so. I'm, I'm thinking of two examples of uh, PD sessions that I've had. One was with 120 educators, and what I did was I actually created the flipped content through QR codes in a mini book. I mean, a fanzine. So educators had to fold, you know, create that book, and then each page was the step of the, the, the professional development workshop. And everything they had to see was there. So they had to, if there was a worksheet, you know, they'd scan the QR code and it was there. If there was an explanation or a video or whatever, they had to scan, you know, right there in situ, watch it, and then we'd discuss it. Um, the other one that Carolina's mentioning is I did a hybrid uh, one with 60, I think, about, and I had, I don't know, 30, 30, 35 educators in a big classroom with me and the rest were connected through Zoom. Um, and so we, I think it's harder for me to explain it, but I used Genially and they had the stations. I did station work. So the ones that were connected had the stations and had to connect with someone who had the role of uh, like the Zoomer <laughs> um, who was in charge of, you know, being the bridge between the physical classroom and the virtual one. Uh, so that, that was, uh, that was a big challenge, but it was, it worked pretty well with a big number of teachers. The book in question today is called in class flip, a student centered approach to differentiated learning. My question about all this, and it's a beautiful book. I hope you guys have a chance to check it out from ISTE Books. We're going to make sure we have the link in our show notes. Why is now the right time to release a book on Flipped Classroom? Okay. We, we have mentioned something. We have had conversations and said that we were more prepared to face what happened in 2020 uh, than other teachers, and we saw that happening. And it was, I mean, the growth towards flipped learning was incredible. We were swamped with workshops, teacher training sessions, all those people who had told us like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds like cool. But then they were like, oh my, can you please give a workshop to my teachers? We really need to do this now. So it, it definitely uh, grew uh, many I think and I'm gonna say something that probably is, is not that nice, but there was a lot of malpractice around it because of course we were uh, too busy. We were with our kids at home. Uh, we were trying to, uh, as, as Dan Jones, a friend of us says, we were trying to build a plane flying it, right? So we were just, everything was so hard. So I guess this right now, a great opportunity to just capitalize all that learning to say, okay, so this is what 2020 and 2021 taught me about my class, about my practice, about my students, their needs, the need for evidence, the need to collect evidence from my students, the need to communicate more effectively with parents, the need to communicate more effectively with my colleagues. What can I do? So this book is going to come as a refresher for things that teachers probably already know, but also with some instructions for how to do it now. Like, okay, after all these things that you learned and you did so fast, this is now going to be like, okay, now I'm ready to just sit down and choose what's gonna go for me um, in this new, new normal or whatever the term we're using today. <laughs> I, I also wanna add to that, I think, uh, to note, why now? Because 
thanks to everything we learned, uh, you know, as as teachers in, you know, being in the pandemic, this book now has the view of, you know, you can do this in a physical setting and you could do this in an online setting and you can do this in a hybrid setting, which is something that we, you know, when we were writing the book, uh, you know, initially we had focused it as a face-to-face -face setting because that's what we, that was our reality. And then now, you know, we enriched the book with, okay, uh, you know, how can we uh, talk about these experiences we had online and hybrid, et cetera. So I, I think it's, it, it's just the right moment because it's, it's what a lot of educators are still going through. You know, the pandemic is not over um, at, you know, at this point. And, and in the future, we're, we're, you know, people are more open to hybrid teaching. So there you go. <laughs> we are right at that time where the, you know, weather's getting warmer. Students are getting a little crazy. I don't think that that's wrong to say, but we're going to be having a summertime to get our bearings back. We're going to have a summertime to get ready for what will hopefully be our first normal school year in quite some time. If you were a teacher or if you were an instructional coach, how would you recommend using this summer to, you know, create materials, plan materials, uh, think about doing some type of flipping. How can we take advantage of the time that we have this summer? First of all, read our book, of course. <laughs> Secondly, uh, content, choose that content. What was, what were those little things? You know, we created a lot of stuff in 2020, 2021, but we didn't, for example, that happened to me. Like I was creating little pieces, nuggets, right? So what I'm doing this semester is like kind of going back to all of those things and putting them together into a nice genially, into a nice hyper doc, organizing things that I didn't have time to do because I was just responding so fast. I was kind of putting out fires. So I have a lot of materials that I don't want to go to waste. I want to see what I can use and how I can build it into more sound and reusable materials as, as we were uh, discussing. So I would suggest teachers to just do that. Uh, and another thing is uh, in our book, we thought about uh, reflecting pauses. So we have reflective pauses in different moments where teachers can take notes and write. I think we don't have that much time to think about our practice, to reflect about what we do, um, because we are so busy and we are running all the time. So probably this summer, just take the time to, first of all, Congratulate yourself for everything you did in these past two years, for surviving these three years that were so difficult. And also um, to give some compassion to yourself and to think about what you did well, because you did a lot of things very, very well. And what, what are those things that you would like to do differently in this new normal year, as you said, um, yeah, I'm kind of jealous that you guys go by year so you can, you know, think about this whole, <clears throat> I've been in like six semesters, so it feels like forever, right? So yeah, think about all those things you did well, and then uh, think about all those things you were doing well before, you know, and so how can you combine those things and, and be very reflective about that? Something I would add is, you know, if you're going to use your summer to plan and to rethink your teaching, 
receive it with an like with a growth mindset, right? Just put your mindset in that growth state of I'm learning. Be patient with yourself if if you haven't flipped before or if you haven't in class flipped before, and try not to be a perfectionist. That's my biggest tip. Just you want to you want to make a video. Go ahead, put record. You know, if you cough during the video, whatever. Just <laughs> you know, students will appreciate it because they you know they'll appreciate you having taken the time to create that video or to make that drawing, even if you don't know how to draw so well, which is my case. But students love those those things; they appreciate them. And if we are perfectionists, we're just going to be we we be we get so hard, or, or we're really hard on ourselves, and that's just not that's not going to take us anywhere because then, you know, why make, you know, why make this if it's not going to be with the quality that I want it to be, just, you know, don't be so hard on yourself and go for it. And you'll see that it starts flowing. I think that's the best line that we can end the show on today. Don't be a perfectionist. I know I am guilty of that spending hours on a three minute video and you just don't have to be, if you cough, leave it in. If your dog barks, leave it in. If you do something wrong, I mean, it, we are here to enjoy working with our students, to enjoy sharing the curriculum. And I want to say thank you so much to Carolina and Martha for coming on today and talking about their brand new book out from ISTE Publications called In Class, In Class Flip, a student-centered approach to differentiated learning. Uh, Martha, where can we learn more about the great things that you're doing these days? So I have a website, I have a blog, um, and my website is actually Martha ramirez.com.co of Columbia CO. Um, and I also like to share a lot through Twitter. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm basically like on every <laughs> social network, but I, I would say my website and, and actually um, you, you had asked, you know, what we do with the languages. My website now has a blog post. If I post in English, I'll translate it into Spanish so that it's, it has, you know, a, a, a wider reach to educators that speak these two languages. So that's where you can find my work. I will have links to all of that stuff. Carolina, where can we learn more about what you're doing these days? Well, so me, social media, I'm on Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn as CR Buitrago. And my blog, it's been stagnant for the past year and a half. Uh, so I, I plan to move that along. So probably there, you're going to be able to find a lot of things. And whenever the book comes out, we're going to have a website uh, full of links and other resources to share with you uh, for our book and the things that we keep doing about in-class flipping because we keep learning. Uh, this this is a never-ending process. And so we wrote the book. We're really excited, but we keep learning and we have material for a couple more. <laughs> and we will yeah. make it. Go ahead. Sorry. The, the website is inclassflip.com. We're tweaking it, but that's where you're going to find uh, additional resources and, and information about our book as well. And we will make sure that we have links to that and all of the great things about what we talked about today. And certainly uh, one of the links that I have in the show notes here is for that brand new website to me. Uh, is it called Genially? Uh, mm -hmm. G-E-N-I-A-L dot L-Y. Check it out. I was looking at it. This is brand new to me, but it looks really, really awesome. So very much like Canva, a little bit different. There is a free plan. Check it out. We're going to make sure all the links are over in our resources. Ladies, I want to say thank you so much. And before we go, I want 
to say thank you to our friends over at ISTE Books for connecting us and sharing it. Of course, we're doing a lot of episodes these days featuring our friends over at ISTE Books and all of the brand new ISTE authors for 2022. We are looking forward to having everybody on this year, especially looking forward to us time getting into our conference, which is, of course, right around the corner. So that wraps up this episode of Ask the Tech Coach. I want to thank Carolina and Martha and everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network. And on behalf of them, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.